This morning's scripture reading is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 26, verses 17 to 30. And I'm reading from the NIV. So it was Matthew 26, beginning at verse 17. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, The teacher says, My appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your home. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him, one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to the man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Jesus answered, You have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on, until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. May the Lord bless us by the reading of his word. Thanks, Jeff. Well, if you're a visitor here, welcome. It's uh, lovely to... To see you at church, um, we have got a church meeting, uh, an extraordinary, extraordinary, is that one word or two words? I've never quite understood that, extraordinary, extraordinary, uh, church meeting afterwards, hopefully it won't take all that long, we can get that through and we can have some, uh, a cup of tea afterwards as well, um, it'd be great to get to know you even more. Uh, I just have to say, we've, uh, we've done, we work in terms in our family because we've got kids Kids work in terms. I know if you haven't got kids at school at the moment, it's harder to work in terms, but we work in terms. We got through term one. We made it. We got through term one. Um, and when I say we, I mean Solari and I got through term one. The kids, they're doing fine, but we got through now. We got through term one. And um, I just have to say to, to you as a, as a church, we feel totally blessed by you. We really do. It's been a, a term into our ministry here, and I I. I can't say, I think I, I used the term embrace a couple of weeks back. I can't say how, how embraced we feel by this church. Um, 
Say thank you. Thank you. And I know it's not just us because we're the pastors. You've got to do that. You've got to embrace the pastors and that sort of thing. But I've spoken to some other people as well. I had a coffee with a, with a, a couple that had been coming. They've come a couple of times. And the fellow said, you know what? This church is the one church that we come back to because the people, they came to us. They came to us. They didn't let us walk out the door. So thank you, church. You've done well. You're doing great. We're doing well. So thank you. Certain meals have memories, don't they? Certain meals, do you, do you find that? Certain meals might have a, a memory for you. Um, I'm not talking about the ones that you scoff down while you're eating your dinner, um, you scoff in front of the tally while the family are around. I mean, they're not the certain meals that have memories for me, but you might have a certain meal that you had on a holiday, or a certain meal, a special dinner party, um, or the wedding meal. We had um, uh, Catherine and Rob married yesterday, and they shared their, their first meal as a, a married couple last night, last night, which is really great. I wonder if you've got special memories of a special meal. Why don't you just turn to the person next to you and share, just if there's one special meal, just, just very briefly, turn to the person next to you and share about that special meal. Well, it sounds like uh, plenty of special meals have been had, and uh, we could definitely talk about them. I want, to, um, I want to bring you back, and I want to share two special meals, two special meals that I've had. And um, it's wonderful to see Solari's sister and uh, our brother-in-law here, uh, Charon Benj, because we shared a meal with them that has stuck in my mind. And if it wasn't special for you guys, fair enough, that's all right. But it was really special for me. I think you'll remember it. And uh, we went into, we were in France, and we love France. And we went into this, this restaurant. It was sort of a, a restaurant that was, wasn't in a main city or anything, but uh, we went into this restaurant, and, um, and it was, we were treated like royalty. They sort of ushered us in, and it was just absolutely wonderful. We started with what we thought was an entree, and it was really an entree to the entree. Probably even an entree to the entree entree um, as such. It was just, it was, and it was good. And after three more courses, we, we thought, this has been a great meal. It's been really good. And then they brought out the mains. And, and so we were getting pretty full at that stage. And, um, and it was beautiful. It was, just, it was the first time I'd eaten raw meat. Have you ever had that raw meat, the delicacy of raw meat? It was good. It was good. I look at it and go, it's not cooked, but hey, it's good. And, and then... Um, and so after the main meal, you think, oh, maybe a dessert will come out. But no, they, they wheeled out a trolley. And on that trolley had probably, do you remember this? Yeah, it had probably 20 types of cheeses. And we're in, we're in France, so this is not just your, your cheddar. This is like all sorts of all sorts of cheese, cheese that we've never heard of. And they explained every single one of them. Goes, I'll have that one. And then they go, no, you can have more. I'll, I'll have that one and that one. You can have whatever you want. So you could have had a bit of... Ch- um, we're full as anything there. And uh, we're just still eating all these cheeses. So we thought, that was such a good meal. Then dessert came. <laughs> and you had to eat it because it was really good. It was really good. And so we were stuffed. We were absolutely stuffed. And they topped it off with coffee, which is always helpful. But it didn't stop. Because after coffee, they brought out a little plate. And on the little plate had a truffle. And the truffle 
well, we were just over the edge already, but you couldn't not eat the truffle. You couldn't, you had to eat the truffle. It was a meal that I'll, I think I'll always remember that meal. It was a meal that we spent with Solari and her family, and it was just lovely, feasting together, celebrating together, not just because of the food, but because of the time we could chat, we could celebrate. I think we were celebrating Tara and Benji's wedding anniversary, weren't we? So, um, yeah, there we go. The second story of food was, uh, was just with m- myself and Solari. And um, I'd, I think I'd taken her out for a romantic uh, lunch. So I'd been, like, come off work for the lunch. I'd taken her for a romantic lunch at Smorgies. Does anyone remember Smorgies? <laughs> Smorgies, yeah? It was fantastic. I love Smorgies. All you can eat. It was just great. So, so we'd probably been dating about a year, and I was the man. I'd gone out, and, um, and I'd, I'd sort of taken her out for... It might have even been an anniversary. And as we were sitting there, I got to my third or fourth serving, because you could keep going back, and, and, uh, um, and I get to this table, and Solari's just staring at me. And I was like, why are you staring at me? <laughs> and she just couldn't, couldn't not stare at me. I'm like, this is getting a bit weird now. I just want to eat my smorgies, you know. I'll just go back for my other, next plate of ice cream. And, and, but, but it was... Uh, I'm like... Do I look, have I got something coming down my teeth or is something running down my nose? What's going on? What's, what's going on? And it was a stare. And you know what Solari's like. If you've met Solari, she just beams when she smiles. It's this beam of a stare and she's staring and smiling at me. And I, I just didn't know what was going on. And um, it was a little unnerving, to be fair. And um, as I sort of start cooking, eating into my overcooked pork roast and, uh, and the, the crunchy potatoes, I said, is everything Okay. And, um, and this, is, this is a memorable part for me. This is where she goes, I've just realised that I want to spend the rest of my life with you. How memorable is that? <laughs> so here's me stuffing down my feet, still going, it's really nice. It's really nice. I can't remember. I can't remember exactly what happened after that. It was all a bit of a blur, and, um, but I remember we, 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 uh, we got married. So that's, that's a good thing. It must have gone well. <laughs> I don't know about you, but the most... Some of the most memorable times are sitting around a table eating together with other people. And I know that we're not the only ones that think this way, because if you look on Facebook or on uh, Instagram or on any of these social medias, so many times you see people with their food. They uh, have this special relationship with food. People take photos of their food and put it up. Food is such a central part of our lives and a meal together. It's not just about nutrition and sustenance, it's about the memories and the togetherness that brings or comes from uh, having and sharing a meal. It's often over a meal that people realise that they've found their special friend, like Solari had, or, um, or that even a romance might begin. Or perhaps a meal has been the place where forgiveness has happened, or memories are rekindled. Or maybe it's a, the meal or the, the shared meal of uh, when we've lost someone and we reminisce about the life that has been. I share uh, most meetings that I go to, I'll have a coffee with someone just because together we can drink and share. Eating together is in many ways an action of trust and intimacy. It brings people together, it develops a closeness together. And it's often less about the food, isn't it? Food's good, but it's about the connection that we make with one another, the tears that are shed, the laughter that occurs. Our family eats at the, at the table just about all the time, most of the time. Each night we'll have a meal at the table. 
Um, fish and chip night, we sit on the floor. That's the only time we won't sit at the table. Um, but we ask the family two questions, and this is where it builds intimacy in our family. And we do this for all our kids, so we've got 11, 9, and 3. We asked our kids, what was your favourite part of your day? And they'll go for it. Well, no, actually, I've got a lie. It's not a lie, but it's, uh, it's not a full truth. We don't ask the questions anymore. Our kids ask the question. Kyra, our three-year-old, asks the question. We're in this routine. And she asks the question. And she goes around the table. What was your favourite part of your day? And we all share something that has been good and we can thank God for, for our day. Then we ask the second question. What's been the hardest part of your day? And help us to reflect upon what our day's been like. What's been tough? about your day. And those two questions allow us to reflect on what God has given us, but also what we need to be praying for each other about as well. It, help, it helps us reflect, reflect on a daily basis. And it happens when we eat. It happens when we sit down and eat. Kat, who's uh, living with us, Catherine, she's just gone off to, uh, to Alice Springs today, this morning. So she's uh, going off on a, on a well-deserved well holiday. Uh, she's picked it up also. So she'll sit at the dinner table and she'll start asking the questions as well. It's wonderful. And we can see the value of sitting together, eating a meal around the table. And it's so valuable. If you want to know about that, the best person to go and ask is Kyra, our little three-year-old. Go after the service and ask her, what do you ask your mummy and daddy at the table? Or, or you ask her the question and she'll be able to answer it. She thinks about what's going on because we've done that for sitting as a family, eating a meal. It's so significant. You know, in Jesus' day, the meal was also a very, very significant part of their life. If you ate with a person, it implied not only an acceptance of that person, but you would also be willing to go and defend that person as well. Because Jesus declared, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, and he, it was the sick, and so he ate with the tax collectors and the sinners. He was there to defend them. Eating with someone was a public declaration of your allegiance to that person. So in today's passage, we heard Jesus eating this very special meal with his disciples, this Passover meal, the last meal that he was going to eat with them. However, this meal was going to hold so much greater significance than the past Passover meals that they'd have. Its significance was going to change drastically in this one meal. The meal that Jesus told his disciples with a few just simple words changed meals forever. He says, take and eat. We often say that. Take, eat. The Sri Lankan culture would go, eat, eat, eat. Take, eat. But he says, take and eat. This is my body. Let's pray and engage with that text. Loving God. We ask this morning that you help us understand, through our understanding of what it means to have a meal together, help us to understand what was going on in this meal, uh, where Jesus changes the fabric of the meal altogether. Help us to have understanding of your word this morning. Amen. We're going to take communion as a part of this sermon, I suppose, coming near, nearer to the end of the sermon, we'll take communion. Um, it's going to be a sort of a continuation of the sermon. But as we journey along, I want to look at three reasons why we need to be sharing this communion meal and how it, it sort of changed over Jesus' uh, having of this, this meal. Because first of all, Jesus made this uh, a, a, a meal that is a saving meal. 
Jesus changed things around and made this Passover meal a saving meal. Um, I, wanna, I want you to think about the journey of the disciples at this stage of their walk with Jesus. It was getting to Passover time. Um, it's a big celebration and it was a big thing in the, in the calendar. And Passover was represented with this meal and celebration. It would be the third year that Jesus and the disciples shared this, this Passover meal together. And although we, we don't really hear about how the other years have gone in the celebrations, we can only assume that it was a great time of remembering. Maybe there was heaps of laughs. Maybe there was memories. Maybe Jesus used it as a teaching point. So why would this year be different? Perhaps Jesus was starting to speak now. He's, his, his message has slightly changed by this stage. He's now speaking more about the kingdom of God. A new concept was coming into his teaching. He was making enemies, I suppose, through the, 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 the sort of uh, upturning of, of what law really meant. He was questioning the leaders of the time. He made them look a bit silly at times. So he wasn't winning uh, people across. He was making enemies in high places. So there's this shift in the political temperature towards Jesus. But when it comes to Passover, there's going to be a celebration that made all that just pass away. The Passover Seder, as it's called, is, it's a meal remembering, commemorating God's central saving act towards Israel. And you can read it in, the, in, in Exodus um, between sort of chapter 3 and 13 as such. Um, you might have seen it on the movies um, as well. But the Israelites, they were captured in slavery for 400 years. You probably might know this story. Um, and they, had, they were slaves under Pharaoh. And as slaves, they were used to keep the building industry going. Pharaoh's building industry, they were making a quota of bricks uh, for the infrastructure. And at this time, God calls Moses to deliver them out of Egypt, get them out of there, um, out of this slave life. And Pharaoh, realizing the loss that the labor force would bring, thinking this is going to cripple Egypt. So he says, no, I'm not going to let them go. I won't let your people go. So Pharaoh's response then entices this really fierce response from God. And he brings plagues upon the Egyptians, one after the other after the other. And Pharaoh, every time, would say, no, I will not let your people go. Regardless of the devastation of the locusts, of the blood, of the frogs, of all the things that had happened in the land, Pharaoh still would not let God's people go. Finally, God said to Moses, we're going to inform, uh, 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 perform one last plague, one last terrible thing, after which Pharaoh could only but let the people go. So God would strike down the firstborn in every household, among every flock, and among every flock throughout the land. It's pretty severe. God would spare every family who marked on their doorposts with blood of a sacrificed lamb. And as the angel of death was to pass through at night, it would pass over any of those homes marked by the blood of the lamb. And it would spare the firstborn in that home. The lamb would be cooked and eaten, giving the Israelites one final meal, one last supper as such in Egypt before they were delivered from slavery. Needless to say, that night... The angel of the Lord came through and death and devastation came to Egypt. It even came to the house of Pharaoh himself. And he said, you've got to get out. You've got to go. Leave. And they left. 
They were chased because Pharaoh just realised, actually, there goes my workforce. They were chased again. But they went on this wild 40 years of wandering through the wilderness, trying to understand what it's meant to be a, a group of people that are following God again. And they became this transformed Israelite nation that moved from a slave nation to a nation of significance, ready to take over the land that God had promised to them. From that moment on, the Israelites annually celebrated this meal, the Passover, that helped them get out of Egypt. So the Passover was a season, the Passover season, this was what they were celebrating when Jesus and his disciples, he sends his disciples off to prepare this celebration, a celebration of good food, of deepening relationships, and remembering of God's deliverance of his people. That's why we're here, because God delivered his people out of Egypt, and we can stand here and we can share this meal together um, to, to remember how God had helped us. However, I'm not sure that Jesus' heart leading up to this meal would not have been full of the excitement and, and anticipation of all the other years. Perhaps he had more of a heaviness and an anxiety towards it. He already knew what the other disciples didn't. He knew that this was going to be a final meal. So Jesus, he starts uh, the meal with a pretty sombre sort of outlook. After taking his place at the table, he announces that someone's going to betray him. That's a good way to start a dinner, dinner, a meal, isn't it? Someone is going to betray me. (laughs) So um, if if you're ever having a meal, don't start like that with your friends. Someone on this table is going to betray me. It seems that they kicked on with the celebration, probably a little more subdued than normal. But whilst they were eating, Jesus took the matzah, the unleavened bread, and he said a blessing over it. I've got, I've got a, a, a big cob loaf here, and I'm going to sort of use it as my sort of prop, I suppose. But Jesus would, would take this, would have been unleavened, not this big, juicy, fresh, Lovely bit of bread that still got that bakery smell. Oh, I love it. Um, and so he would, he would take it and he'd, he'd say a blessing over it. And, um, and Jesus blessed the bread. And it was not, not unusual for the host to do that. But then Jesus used words that break from the general Passover sort of text. He moves from the teleprompter scripts that tell the, 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 the host what, what this um, message is meant to be. And he hands the bread to the disciples. And he says, take and eat. Which would have been all good if he had to stop there. Take and eat. Yeah, great. I'll take and eat. I'll remember this meal. But he says, take and eat. This is my body. Take and eat. This is my body. Imagine you're one of the disciples and this has happened. Take and eat. This is my body. Did he just say that? Did he just say, this is my body? Each time you eat it, remember me? And you take the bread and you... What's that about? You know, if we've been around church uh, for a while, we'll know what we, we don't really balk at that sort of language, do we? We don't sort of question the language. It's just what we do once a month. We know the process. But the reality of these words are it would be a surprise to the disciples. It's not what they would have been expecting to hear. So you've got to spare a thought for these disciples. They were used to, by this stage, Jesus speaking in metaphors, in analogies. But this one, what's this about? Was Jesus really saying that, that this bread that he holds, that we eat it, we're eating his body? Is he speaking metaphor? What's he saying? Because this time is a time of remembrance. 
It's remembering the past, not, not of newness, not of new traditions being brought. So the disciples, they probably didn't understand at this stage, yet still they ate. They followed their Jesus. Only hours later, Jesus was handed over to be beaten. His body was to be ripped to shreds. His hands pierced with the nails that hung him to the cross. I wonder what they thought when that was happening, as they remembered the meal they just eaten. This is my body. Jesus holds up the cup and breaks away from the script again. Say, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for, for, for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Perhaps those disciples were getting a little worried at this stage. What does this mean? Jesus clearly is saying things regarding his own life. Yet what were their significance? What does it mean? How could they fully understand? Perhaps the disciples would have caught something they might have recognised. The phrase, the blood of the covenant, might not have been used. You can find it in Exodus 24, verse 8. Um, and I've got it, I'm going to have it on the screen. Um, Moses took the bread. Um, oops, if we can have the next slide, Dawn. There we go. Moses then took the blood, sprinkled it on the people and said, this is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all of these words. Maybe they remembered that, where God enters his formal relationship with Israel. Moses takes the blood and sprinkles it on the people. This is the blood of the covenant. Now, I didn't bring any blood today to sprinkle over you, which you'll be really grateful for. <laughs> but to the disciples, if they knew that passage, maybe they were, they were connecting the dots a little. Now, that even, Jesus didn't go and do the same. He didn't sprinkle blood or anything. But Jesus' words were different. He says, this is my blood. This is not, this is the blood. This is my blood. It was no longer this old covenant of God, one consecrated by the blood of an animal, but there's going to be this new covenant, new covenant that can only be made by the blood of the Son of God himself. That's mind-blowing. The story of the old covenant was God's saving grace to the Israelites throughout their journey, a journey that took them through slavery, through wilderness, through battle, through triumph. Yet through all that, Israelites still turn, Israel still turned their back on God. But now we have a solution. Now we have a solution. In this final meal, God's great plan for humanity was being shared. Right in this moment, he's holding the bread and the cup. This is my blood. My blood of the covenant. And it became the story of the disciples' life. Rescued by Jesus, called to follow him, to give their life to him. And he says, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And in those words, words, he changed the world. In this moment, he transformed this, this meal of celebration, of remembrance, into what we now know as communion. A meal of not only remembrance, but a meal of the very present a meal that reminds us of where we have come from, this separation with God, and reminds us that in the present, God is always near and God's grace is sufficient for you and for me. It's a meal that reminds us of the certainty of the future as well. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. See, Israel entered into the old covenant through the blood of animals and all of humanity has the opportunity to enter into this new covenant 
through the blood of Jesus. A new relationship with God through Jesus' blood. We started this morning with exploring the idea of the Passover meal, God's liberation to Israel, the memory of God saving them, rescuing them, passing over the houses, sparing the firstborn. And the meal ends with a liberation meal. It became a liberation meal, the liberation of all mankind or humankind, freedom from our own wayward walk of life that leads to death. But God gave every human a new opportunity, a new life, a new beginning through Jesus Christ. We've all become God's covenant people, a covenant sealed not with an animal, but with the blood of Jesus Christ. So in participating in communion, we're not, we are remembering for sure. We're remembering the, the action of God throughout history for sure. But the saving God of um, love of God in our lives right now as well. For all who believe, it's become our story. This meal has become who we are. We enter into the meal remember that, remembering that we were marked by sin. But as we leave the meal, we're reminded that we've been freed from that indeed. The meal is a celebration of life. It is our salvation. So the next challenge for us, though, is that, or the next part of this meal, that the second thing is that it's a shared meal. It's not an individual meal. It's a shared meal. Just as we share food with others, this is a shared meal also. Jesus shared this meal with the disciples. He didn't do it on his own. He couldn't do it on his own. Jesus said to Peter, who was about to betray him three times, he said, take and eat. This is my body. To Judas, who could pretty much feel the coins already rattling in his pocket, Jesus says, drink from it. This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins, even yours. And as the bread and the cup is shared, the realisation in Jesus must have been very real. All of these men in front of me are going to run. All of them will not be there. Yet this is a covenant I offer you. Because we're in that same spot, aren't we? Because we all have strayed. We've all turned our backs on Jesus. We've all gone the other way. We've all said, I want to be there. Yet we don't. But the, the bread and the cup again and again is handed to you. And I wonder if that's because Jesus' eyes uh, have a different lens to our eyes most of the time. Because Jesus seemed to be able to see the image of God in every single human being, regardless of how they look or regardless of their heart or regardless of the crimes they've committed, Jesus offers all to come to the table. So this morning as we take a piece of bread, as we have a cup of juice, we're engaging not only in a meal of new life for ourselves, but for all. It's a meal of forgiveness. And in it, we are therefore compelled to forgive as well. So this morning, we'll take a piece of bread and we'll have a cup of juice. We must remember our responsibility to forgive the other or to seek forgiveness from the other. So what, as we do that this morning, I don't want you just to, to have this meal as a ritual but as a space which changes our life. The third thing is it is a meal that unites. It's a meal that brings us together. 
It was lovely at the, the wedding of Catherine and Rob yesterday. It was really lovely. Um, it had a lot of symbols in it. It was a very symbolic sort of wedding. But one of the part of the service, they shared their, their, our communion time together, the first meal together. What a special moment that was. The bride and groom and their Lord. One action was a binding action. We've just seen the marriage happen. Uh, they said their vows, and now they are bound with this meal with their Lord. It was really quite a beautiful thing. See, as we share this meal together, we're united together. We become one with God and with one another. It's not just the individualized meal, although we often celebrate it like that as well. We grab our cup and we have our own little space, and that's okay. But it's a meal that brings us together. We are united. We are reminded of our unity in Christ. So this morning as we share the meal, we don't share it alone But as you pass the bread across the the aisles to the next person next to you, let them know that this is Jesus' body broken for you. Take and eat. Tell them that as you pass the, the tray of juice around, this is Jesus' blood. It's shed for you. Let's remember him together. So we're going to come to that time where we can do that. And I'll invite, if we've got some stewards, to uh, to come down, our communion stewards, to come down and perhaps just sit at the front for a minute. Because we're going to share that meal as a meal that saves, as a meal of forgiveness, and as a meal that unites us. Let's pray. Our loving Lord, we don't take your word lightly ever, but as we read this message of Jesus changing this covenant relationship, Loving God, we can't be but in awe. That, Lord, that you saw it fit to say, take and eat, this is my body. That, drink it, this is a new covenant, this is done for you. Lord, people who don't deserve it were able to share this meal together. And so this morning as we take this communion meal, as we partake in this symbolic meal, I suppose, I pray that the reality of what you have done for us right now, that past having done for us, will be very real for us. But loving God, may we not stay just in the past. May we know that you are working in the present and seeking out a future, that we can be united with you, that we can do great things for you, that we can share your love and your words in and through the community that we live. So as we take the bread, as we drink of the cup together, we say thank you for what has been, what is, and for what is to come. Amen. We're going to share this meal together. And as you take the bread, feel free to, uh, to eat. Perhaps with the people next to you. Oops. And as we... Um, as we take the cup, I want you to hold the cup, and together we will um, share that space together.
don't we stand to share this cup together, if you're able? The new covenant, which is for all of us. Let's drink together. So Lord, we say thank you. We thank you that your body and your blood has saved us, made us new. We can only but live for you. May our lives reflect this reality. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just a reminder, we're going to have our our final song coming up and we're going to take up our community offering, which will go to uh, the the flood relief um, or the cyclone relief. Thank you.